All right, welcome back to the Crossover Cellist. I'm your host, Louis Patzner, and with me is local composer and pianist, Brett Carson. Welcome, Brett. Good to be here. I just called you Bart. My bad. It's Welcome, like, Brett. Whatever, whatever you want to call him. I suck at talking. And I'm doing this podcast partially to help me get better at talking. Well, that's great. Saying words with articulation. Anyway, uh, so, Brett, uh, where are you from? Uh, I'm from northeast Georgia, originally. Oh. I, uh, I lived there for the first... 20 or so years of my life, and then I moved to Atlanta uh, for school. Mm-hmm. I went to school a little bit in Northeast Georgia and then moved to Atlanta for the rest of it. Yeah. And uh, then came to California in 2012 for uh, grad school, and have been here ever since. Sure, and that was at Mills College, right? Mm-hmm. Mills College, uh, illustrious liberal arts college of Oakland, with a former musical faculty that was very impressive, like... Darius Mio. Yeah, well, yeah, and the people there, uh, when I was there, there, some of them have retired. Um, Fred Frith, Zena Parkins is still there, Roscoe Mitchell is still there, um, Chris Brown, Maggie Payne, like a really great, uh, great faculty, Mills. Yeah, and I would say that the program there is more on the experimental side than most music programs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The grad program in particular, um, the undergrad as well, but uh, the grad program being co-ed it also attracts quite a few people who are interested in that whole tradition of experimental music and improvisation yeah so you went there for composition that's right you have a composition degree uh well i mean the way that mills works there's a lot of uh freedom to choose your path so i mean i was officially a composer but um i also did quite a bit of playing and quite a bit uh a little bit of electronic music i dabbled in, in computer music a little also yeah do you still uh, do computer music? Uh, I still do a little electronic music uh, for the opera. There's some yeah. electronic music. Adria is doing most of that, but I'm doing some of it also. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, the opera that he just mentioned is uh, called Just Visiting, Colin, X-Ray Vision. Clo- right? Close. Fuck, I got it wrong? Very close. X-Ray just, Vision. Just Visiting, parentheses, oh. X-Ray Vision. <laughs> I believe right. on the Indiegogo it is a colon because they won't let me use parentheses. But officially it's parentheses. Oh, okay. Then maybe that's what I was looking doesn't, at. It doesn't really matter, but uh, just for the record. No, it matters. Well, maybe it does. I don't know. Like, uh, what, there are a lot of songs like, um, like, I want you in parentheses, she's so heavy, right? That's right. Yeah. It's like pretty important. Or is it the reverse? Ooh, I don't know. Is it She's So Heavy? Dude, I'm so bad. At this, I want I'm you. so bad at song names. Pe- I, don't, I don't remember. People that I've been playing with for years be like, let's play this song, insert song name, and I'll be like, huh? And then they start playing it, and it's like, oh yeah, I know that song. I played it a thousand times, but that's just me. Well, this is a minor detail. It's minor detail. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, first off, we are doing this opera, yes. and we're trying to raise money for it. Yes. So there's an anti an Indiegogo oh, no. campaign. <laughs> there's an Indiegogo campaign going on. And Indiegogo. Yeah. Indiegogo campaign. What uh and we're trying to raise, I don't know, like another as three of, and a half thousand dollars. As of dollars. right now it's thirty five hundred. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. In, so in a week. That may not 
They may not, they may seem like a huge amount of money, or may not seem like very much money at all for an opera. And I think to us, it's more on the huge amount of money side of things. Yeah, you know? I mean, as operas go, that's low. Right. Um, it, this is a uh, an indie production. Right. Um, and a it's a chamber opera, so it's not a big full blown right. thing. But within that context of the small space and the small means, I want to do a lot. Of course. Um, but I'm doing. I'm trying to do as much of it as I can for free, if possible, borrowing things and that sort of thing. But still, we end up with uh, with a budget um, of a few thousand, and some of that is going to be covered by ticket sales, obviously. But uh, there's still quite a bit, you know. That, oh, of that, course, that's not going to cover. So uh, yeah, yeah. I played enough operas where they the first thing they say is, you know, these ticket sales cover a fraction of the cost, right? And, and, and so we need for, more money. Tickets for operas, like if you were to go to the San Francisco Opera, can be pretty expensive. Yeah. So, like, imagining that being only a fraction, uh, right? You know, we're obviously you know, not going to charge a hundred bucks for a ticket. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of like Berkeley Opera that I did way back in like '07, and yeah, the tickets were forty bucks, yeah, which is a lot for me, you know, and for like our friends, you know, to go to an opera, but it still just covers a fraction of the cost. Forty so. bucks is is cheap for an opera, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, although it feels like a lot, if you're if you're used to going to shows, you know, rock shows or yeah, exactly. shows or whatever, and paying ten bucks, fifteen bucks, it's yeah, just, we're not going to be charging much more than than fifteen. Um, yeah, but because we're cool, but we're also broke. So the just as an aside, and we're doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. But as a as a as a question for you, so sure. Berkeley Opera is that the West Edge? Opera? Yeah, Berkeley Opera became West Edge Opera. Okay, um, they were doing it in the Julia Morgan Theater on mm-hmm. College, mm-hmm. and then they decided to do only family uh, oriented shows there, like musicals, Wizard of Oz, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so Berkeley Opera had to find another. Spot. Well, they've been doing a bunch of... Uh, West Edge does a bunch of venues around the Bay. That's yeah. Kind of unusual. They have been... Yeah. Did you see the recent stuff? The recent I know, I haven't seen any West Opera, opera except for the stuff that I played. You should... You should it's horrible. The, the, the recent festival, which is over now. Oh, yeah. But the recent festival was really good. I heard it was good. And I heard last cool year stuff. was good, too. The Thomas uh, Ades, right? Yeah, that was great, too. Ooh, yeah. yeah that yeah. was great. This year they did... Um, uh, I forget the composer, Luca Francesconi, uh-huh. something like that. Uh, he did an adaptation of that Heiner Mueller. You know Heiner Mueller? Kind of. The German, East German playwright, Heiner mm-hmm. Mueller. They did yeah, an yeah. adaptation of one of his plays, and, it's, and wow. he's like one of my favorite playwrights. So it was great. It was really good. Yeah. Um, so you wrote a play. I did. This was your previous stage work, right? Yeah. I wrote, I wrote a play. It was premiered last May in Oakland. What was it um, called? What was it called? Uh, Mary's dilemma or that sinking feeling? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it wasn't. Wasn't it? Wasn't um, there was no singing. It was entirely a play. I wrote the music to it was incidental, incidental music. Incidental yeah. music. Uh, and then Adria, who's working on the opera now, actually also did some sound for that. So I'm working with some of the same people for this that I did with that. Yeah. Um, and the play was kind of piqued my interest in this whole thing, or yeah, it totally. furthered my interest in this thing. It's kind of a natural progression, I would say, from a play to an opera. Yeah, for a composer or dude like you, you know. Yeah, I mean, an opera seems like an obvious thing to do. If you're <laughs> if you're, if you're interested in theater and a composer, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, uh, and so before that, 
you put out an album or you wrote you wrote a whole song cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Mysterious Descent. That's right. Um, I have the record. Yeah. Uh, because you gave it to me. Thank mm-hmm. you. How do how do other people listen to that? How do other people like? Do they do they go to your Bandcamp? Do you have a Bandcamp? Oh, camp? you mean how can people do, find it? Do they stream it um, on Spotify? Yeah, they can go to my Bandcamp. I think it's what is it? I should know what it is. Brett Carson dot Bandcamp dot com. I think that's it. Yeah, I should know what that is. Hey, let's put I'm, it on the I'm, description. I'm unprepared. For we'll this. put it on the description. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's on my Bandcamp. You can check it out there. There's also a CD Baby link there if you're into the physical media. Yeah. And I will say that the CD looks very nice. I think it's great. Yeah, so, uh, totally. If, pro. And I, I'm really proud of the cover. So if you want to get yeah. it just for the art, then that that might make a lot of sense. Yeah. And my good friend and colleague for many years, uh, Mia Bella Dajeli, is all over that record. Mm-hmm. Um, that record is written about. Uh, the mysterious disappearance of an ancient civilization, right? I like that interpretation. Yeah. I like that. No, it's written about... It's it's ambiguous. Oh, okay. um, there's a, a, a couple of possible interpretations. That could be uh, one of them, okay. certainly. Yeah, I was reading that. That was one the, of the, the intended interpretations. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the liner notes, in a way, are... I, I, li- I like to, when I'm making something, engage a, in a lot of different ways from a lot of different directions. So, like, Mysterious Descent has this, behind it, this kind of um, invented civilization mm-hmm. that supposedly the texts on the album come from. Right. And to kind of aid the, the that being convincing, I invented a language for that album. So that, that album actually has a fully oh, functional wow. language that is embedded throughout it. Wow. Okay, well, I listened to I it, and that. it sounded weird to me. <laughs> yeah, there's parts of it that are not in English, right? Yeah. Right. So that's that's well, the language. But it says it comes from the surviving works of Yeah. You know, of this Ohinsoshik. Ohinsoshik. Okay. That's what it's called. Uh which I forget what that means. It might mean mysterious descent, actually. And so but where was this civilization, where would it have been? Well, I mean it's kind of like uh, Atlantis or something. I was really interested in the yeah. Atlantis myths. Yeah. Or like Lemuria, Atlantis, all those types of things. Yeah. Uh, Namor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Namor the Submariner, he's the Prince of Atlantis. Anyway, he's a char- fictional character. Very good. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, and just like the idea of this idyllic, uh, or this like per- perfect society that was somehow lost. For sort of like reason. El Dorado. Or something like that, City. yeah. And kind of these places don't really, I mean, they, they exist on the earth. But on some, in some sense, they exist like apart from our reality. Like right. they're just some kind of like, uh, you know, they, they have some existence uh, conceptually or as an idea. Yeah. And so I wanted to write something about somewhat about that. So the Co- the Coctimo civilization, which is the name of the civilization, yeah. uh, is sort of like that, and it yeah. mysteriously disappeared. And there are these texts that describe a descent. Mm-hmm. So uh, originally, the, the idea was, was was derived from the Divine Comedy, or inspired by the Divine Comedy, the Inferno yeah. and the Divine Comedy, yeah. being this descent. Uh, and so the piece it revolves around this mythology with these four entities that yeah. are named uh, that take the form of elephants. Great. Uh, and he, the the song cycle sort of passes through each of their domains, if you will, and then comes out the other side, and is truly cyclical. Because mm-hmm. the last movement references the words at the beginning of the very, uh-huh. of the very uh, first movement. I had the album on uh, repeat. 
And so I had it on, and then it went back to the first track. And then it took me, like, you know, a track or two to be like, wait a minute. So, good job. Great, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, so we're going to put one of these tracks on at the end, okay. right? Which one should we pick? Uh, how much time do we have? Uh, Does it matter? No. Um, I mean, we could put the whole thing play on. the whole thing. No, <laughs> don't do that. No, I, late, like, like uh, I have been picking long tracks, like, okay, it, you well, know, up to 10 minutes or great. something, or well, even longer. Let's do track 11, which would be uh, the song of, what is it? The song of Zochani Brauk. Okay, fantastic. That's, that's, I think that's a good, like, kind of introduction to sort of what the album's all about. Yeah, great. It has all the components. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, I'm more familiar with your opera music because I've been spending a lot of time with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I heard the record, or, you know, your song cycle, uh, it definitely struck me as, this is the same composer mm-hmm. that is writing... Uh, the just visiting, mm-hmm. and uh, so I feel like you very much have a distinct voice as a composer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a blend of uh, interesting rhythms and weird sounds, and um, some, you know, uh, I would say traditional t- tonalities, but also mm-hmm. playing around with that and. Mm-hmm. Uh, making you wonder where the barrier between traditional and untraditional is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think the the line, well, to address a few of the things, to address that first, I think the line between atonal and tonal is artificially drawn. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're in the 20th century and academic, more, I won't say academic, and more um, you know, uh, classical-oriented music. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm talking about uh, people like Schoenberg, Bartok, that sort of tradition moving into Boulez, Stockhausen, moving into you know, Philip Glass or whatever. There, there was this sort of mentality of atonality being this thing or dissonance being this thing in opposition to tonality, I think. Right. Um, and, and for a long time I wrote, for a, little, a short period of time, I wrote really atonal music. Yeah. I was really interested in that. Yeah. You know, we can't key signatures. How you know? How dare you suggest the possibility of a key signature? Right. Uh, consonances bad, dissonances good. That was like <laughs> me for a short period. But then you realize that it's kind of there's not a lot there. At least for me, yeah. that's how I felt. And so, I mean, there's so many colors to choose from. Why yeah. limit yourself to one set of totally. colors? You know, I feel like you have to work so hard to write truly dissonant music. You know, I, I, th- I mean, I feel like the most dissonant music I've ever heard is somewhat tonal. Sure. Like I think because it's, it's about context. Yeah, I think of the, some of the music of Messiaen, or uh, some of the music of like the French spectralists yeah. that are based on the overtone series. So you hear a chord, yeah. Yeah. but then as the chord extends, it gets really dissonant. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking in particular um, of with Messiaen, like the the Transfiguration. Have you heard that piece? Uh, maybe not. It's like super long. It's really long. Is it for orchestra? Yeah, and uh, choir. It's one of his main, like his big pieces, right? Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I so. forget. The the my maybe. first impression listening to that piece several years ago was that this is the most dissonant thing I've ever heard because it was uh-huh. just wow. explosively dissonant, but also very tonal. Yeah, like it was built on this scaffolding that looked normal, and then you get this extreme yeah. dissonance on top of it. Um, and that's really interesting to me. Well, he's one of these guys that was very much in, in that conversation. And have you heard the story? 
think it's in that book, The Restless Noise by Alex Ross, but mm-hmm. Boulez and his whole crew of people went to a concert, of, and Miss Ann had a piece on the concert, and there was a major triad in his piece, and Boulez and his friends all walked out. Which, they're like, this yeah. is not what we signed up for. I'm against this. Well, you know, I mean, like, yeah. It's one of those things, I think, at the time, you have these people like Boulez who mm-hmm. are looking for this particular thing, and that's, you know, that turns them off. I mean, Boulez has recorded a ton of Messian's music. Totally, and Mahler, you know, and, and Ma- a lot yeah. of tonal stuff. Right. So, I mean, it's, I think at that time in his life, he was looking for a certain thing, and Messian yeah, was not giving right. that to him. Yeah. I mean, and, and Messian gets all this critical, this, I won't say critical acclaim, all this um, uh, space in textbooks concerning mm. his music that he, the ser- total serial piece that he wrote. Uh-huh. I forget what it's called, but he, he wrote a series of four piano pieces, and, and I think two of them are complete, are total serialist, uh-huh. which means that he's, Serializing uh, pitch and rhythm and all of that, yeah. also, right, uh, and dynamics maybe, and it's it's the worst music he ever wrote, in my right. opinion, and in his opinion too. I think he said in an interview like those pieces were experiments and they don't work. And Boulez and Stockhausen did that too. They wrote some pieces like that that are that are just not that good, in my opinion. Yeah. And they emerged from that and, yeah. and embraced different kinds of things. You yeah. Know? So uh, I kind of I, I get where they're coming from, but it's funny to me that you know in my mind listening to Boulez now it sounds very old fashioned. It sounds nineteen fifties. Yeah. Whereas Messian sounds like oddly fresh, because it has this rhythmic propulsion and this color to it that. And know, a unique voice, I would say. Oh yeah. Whereas Boulez, I. I think Boulez well, had a unique. Voice. Yeah, maybe I need to listen to more of it. Um, yeah. Well. Okay. Well, we'll check out some Boulez. Check out. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's good to check piece. out? Check out. Uh, 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 what is it called? Plea Salam Plea, I think is what it's called. Okay. For orchestra. That's a cool piece. All right. I think that's the pronunciation. Cool. Um. So. All right. Well, that covers tonality. All right. <laughs> um. What about the rhythms? You know, in this opera, there's a lot of. Uh, Tricky rhythms, I would say. You think? A lot of, a lot of quintuplets. Tricky for me. <laughs> a lot of quintuplets. What's with the quintuplets, Brett? That was the main question I What's called you here for. What's with the quintuplets? How many quintuplets are there? I don't think there's that many, right? Well, maybe. You have a, there are, a few? I haven't counted, but there's definitely a, a, a bunch of them. There's and, a bunch in scene five. Huh? There's a lot in scene five. I don't know. Yeah, what scene five, else. and then that mod- there's a metric modulation where the quintuplets become the new beat, and then we do triplets on that. That's right. It's just a little bit tricky. We have a, t- a two ten bar or a one five bar. I always felt like quintuplets are the way for one one way you use them as a composer, which is how like the romantic composers used them. Was mm-hmm. You want to fit a bunch of notes into your riff, right? You want to fit these specific notes, and then it's like, well, that's five notes. That's too many. And it's like, nah, it's not. You just, mm-hmm. fit, you just fit them in. Another, for me, you know, I would maybe write quintuplets if I wanted the rhythm to feel, um, uh, what is the word? Ambiguous, you know. Like, um, sure. something where you're not really, or nebulous, right? Yeah. You're not really sure where to put it. I feel like for you, it's it's just it's like not that different from a triplet, you know. It's yeah. I mean, 
Uh, the way I use it in, in scene five is uh, as a sort of written out cello rondo. Oh, interesting. Right? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, oh, that's a crazy uh, scene. Yeah, for, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like, tr- yeah, you're doing good. <laughs> Thanks. It sounds good. Uh, the, other, the other night sounded pretty tight. I yeah, yeah, I was uh, pleased, yeah. Uh, but the, uh, I mean, a quintuplet is a very regular rhythm, though. It's a very steady rhythm. Yeah. It's really hard to... Hippopotamus. Yeah, it's really hard to achieve uh, irregularity within the, the metric system that we've inherited. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really a challenge. I mean, I mean yeah. you have to do things like uh, embed rhythms within rhythms or tie these rhythms over the bar line or something. Yeah. Or over the beat. Right. When I, I don't really do it. I do that with the sextuplets in that scene. Yeah. Right? Uh, you do the tide stuff. That's yeah. that's I'm, do, I'm doing it there, but yeah, I mean it's uh, that that was uh, I think that's a real big challenge. Yeah, and going back to Boulez and, and Stockhausen, you see them confronting that challenge. Sure, that was a big a big concern for them. I think was was irregular rhythms, mm-hmm. and you see these really crazy things that Stockhausen was doing in the in the fifties, uh-huh. I think sixties, with a rhythm that are really tough to read and interpret where. He has like seven notes in the space of six, and then three of those seven in the space of, uh, or four in the space of three of those seven, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Where you get these really complicated rhythms. Um, so yeah, I mean, like there there was a period of time when I was really interested in, in those types of rhythms, and I think now I'm more interested in in these sort of propulsive rhythms yeah. that are maybe even groove that that are broken up occasionally and, and fracture occasionally. Yeah. Like that that scene, scene five to me is also a very groove based scene, and so I kind of I kind of like how the yeah I mean to me it's a little bit irregular how these irregular mm-hmm. rhythms fit into a groove like that, or at least when we do it right, it, mm-hmm. it becomes this groove. Yeah, yeah. When it when it's when it's really tight, it it works. It really bounces and, and flies yeah. along. Totally. Um, so it's not like you were telling me about a style of music called new complexity, right? Okay. It's not like that. No, yeah. not at all. New complexity is like uh, music that's hard for the sake of being hard. Well, in some ways, uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, I think I think these guys are interested in. It depends on the composer. I mean, it's yeah. it's a pretty broad. All right. How would you classify your music genre wise? Like, if if my old band was um, instrumental experimental metal. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say this opera is? You know, I don't know. I mean, what would you say it is? Oh, uh, I would call it. Uh, it's much easier than answering. Your I question. would call it um, opera core. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, I would call it like. Jeez, um, what? Do, yeah. Oakland Nouveau Opera Corps. Okay. Yeah? Okay. Does that sound okay? I'm not very good That's a with... bunch of nonsense. Yeah, I mean, all genre names are nonsense. Uh, I'm, I'm not very good with coming up with names for things like this. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm... It's not very important. When I write for a group of instruments, I try to write for those people. Yeah. So, like, I mean, Mysterious Descent, in, in some ways, it, there's some similarities. But in some ways, it's really different than the piece. Yes. There, there's no like real grooves in Mysterious Descent. Mm-hmm. There's places where it gets close to that, but in this piece, you know, we have Jordan Glenn on drums, who's a great improviser, a great jazz player, a great rock drummer. Yeah. 
Jason Hoops, same deal, great improviser, great rock, uh, rock not drummer, <laughs> uh, bassist, bassist, yeah, who is you know played in a lot of metal bands and things, and is also you know amazing at, at improvising. Uh, and then you, great improviser, great cellist, do more classical music, but also have a lot of experience with the rock thing. Sure. So like thinking about you guys plus David and Christina, who are both very different vocalists from each other. Yeah. You know, and I've worked with David on Mysterious Descent. I kind of know how he yeah. sings. Christina's a little more operatic, touches musical theater at times. Um, yeah. And so the challenge was writing for all of you in a way that where I felt like I was writing for you. Yeah. And writing for you the things that you do well. Yeah. And not writing against you. I think a lot of pieces you hear um, that try to aim for a fusion of things, a yeah. fusion of genres, if you will, uh, leave out the fact that players have these, you know, they, they bring these inherent things to the table. Yeah. And you have to kind of, like, write for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I would say it's challenging, mm-hmm. but it's also like writing my wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to write things that make the players look really good if they nail it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's important. That's a nice way of putting it. I think that's important. And I think Absolutely. I, I, I've tried to give all of you places in this piece where you can, like, really look awesome. Yeah. Sure. Um, I think you succeeded at that. You know, if we do it, if we execute. Like you're, like you in scene... Uh, Ten. Ten. <laughs> yeah, I'm still working on it. This is the most complex thing in the piece. Sure. Uh, well, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna nail that. I know. Betcha. I know you are. Yeah, you know. Um, do you know the composer Nicholas Ma? He okay. He's on faculty uh, where I went to school, Peabody, mm-hmm. and I remember he you know he had composition students. And people were people would talk about him more than maybe you know if if he were. Not a faculty member at school, but apparently <laughs> Joshua Bell recorded one of his violin concerto, and somebody asked him to play that, and he goes, "Why would I play the Ma concerto? I could learn that. I could, I could work that up in a week and be ready to perform it. You know, I want something that sure. I have to practice." Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's it's a, such an interesting um, yeah. There's like a whole, dynamic. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of I've heard people criticize really complex new music. Yeah. For being um, abusive to the players, yeah. Uh, there's some players that like that, of course. That really like that challenge of like picking that apart, like Fernie Ho, Fernie Howe, uh, Brian. You know what I'm talking about? No, Brian Fernie Howe, Fernie Ho. No, how you say his name. He teaches at um, Stanford, uh-huh. and uh, he's he's sort of considered by some to be like new complexity. Uh-huh. He's yeah. one of the main people who do that, right? Um, and his music is extremely complicated and extremely difficult and, and, and places almost impossible. And he mm-hmm. writes it that way. Yeah. So that he, the player will struggle through it. I yeah. think that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, and he likes to hear that, that, that blood and that sweat. Yeah. Like that's part of it. Right. And there's some players who love that, who eat that up, where they have to like plot it on a graph, you know, like to figure out the the divisions of the rhythm and, and all of this. And, right. You know, I mean, I personally have never been maybe had the patience yeah. to do that. Yeah. But there's some people who are really into that. Yeah. You know, and if I was writing for a person who was really into that, this piece would be different. Totally. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um I like how in the video for the Indiegogo, uh David is like choking himself and doing a very theatrical thing. Mm-hmm. We gonna see any of that in this opera? There there is choking. <laughs> Okay, there is. Hey, it's going to be out there, people. Uh, yeah, I mean, the opera is, it's very violent in a way. 
It's very loving in a way. Oh, I so think. okay. This opera is. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's sort of about the decline of civilization, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's open. This one, this one's a little more abstract, even than the song cycle. Yeah. And you wrote the text, right? And you've written everything except for, I guess, some of the uh, sound design. That uh, yeah, I composed Adria's everything, doing. and Adri is doing probably about three fourths or more of the sound stuff. Right. And I'm, I did some of the it. Electronics. Uh, and Sam Genovese, who's a, a great composer, um, also opera writer, mm-hmm. is doing a video component. We're going to have some TVs with video. Wow. Um, and then I'm designing everything else. So lighting, costumes, directing, yeah. uh, scenic design. Yeah. Oh, and so we should also just mention this opera is in October. October, in October. Uh, 26th and 27th. 26th and 27th. Two shows on the 27th. That's right. So three shows. Three shows. It's Don't miss out. Not a lot of seating in the space. Yeah, so, so Temescal Center for the Arts. The Sen- Temescal Arts Center. Er, which Tennis is, if I'm not and mistaken, 48th and Telegraph. I yeah. think that's right. And so what's the uh, the cap there? Capacity. Uh, I don't know. The way that we're doing the staging, uh, it's going to limit the seating a little bit. So uh-huh. it's going to be somewhere between 40 and 50 seats oh, okay. a night, which yeah. is not a lot. No. So if you want to go check out a spectacle, something really crazy and wild, yeah. that you might actually want to see a few times. There's a lot going on in the piece. Yeah. Uh, then it might be good to... You know, you can donate to the Indiegogo. There's some tickets available now. Yeah. Based on, like, as perks. Right. Based on how much you give. Um, so you can do that. Or when the tickets go on sale, which will probably be some around, sometime around the beginning of October. Yeah. Mid-September. Uh, you snatch one up really quick. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in the Indiegogo, I have a, a URL. Yeah. I can read. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and we'll post it on the description it. as well. Probably a good idea. The short link, because the long one is long is igg.me slash at at slash jvxrayvis and the j the v the x and the v are cap capital yeah it's way easier it's those jvxray viz so it won't work if it if they're not capital i don't know I've never tried it. I don't it. know if URLs discriminate uh, based on capital letters. I think they might. They might. But if, I don't know. So JVX is capitalized? I think they do, because think of like YouTube URLs where they have the capital letters in the... I think they do. Uh, regardless, it'll be in the description of this video somewhere. Yeah, it will. Uh, yeah, and you can check that out. Or you can go to my Facebook page uh, if you want to keep up with updates, either... Uh, because you want to maybe contact me about an alternative way of donating, because some people don't like Indiegogo, or if you want to just keep up with the progress of the piece, facebook.com slash Brett Carson Music. Yeah. Uh, I'll be posting on there quite a bit until October. Do you have an Instagram? Out. Don't have an Instagram. I have okay. a Twitter. All, all, I don't all remember, Instagrams and stuff. I don't stuff. remember what my... Uh, I think it's Brett Carson. <laughs> I don't know. I, never, I, never used I don't know Twitter. if Twitter matters unless so, you're the president. So don't, so don't do Twitter... But yeah. I heard Instagram matters, so I've been trying to Instagram more. I Instagram today. You Follow to, me on Instagram. You should, inst- you should. Oh, your phone's over there, or you could Instagram. I'm gonna. Inst- I'm gonna take a picture of that um, that sheet of paper that you were just. Take a picture of the sheet. Take a picture of this this uh, momentous talk that we've had. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very pleasant conversation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll picture it up. Uh, maybe we'll even Snapchat the. Uh, Maybe we will. I don't know. I don't have Snapchat. Maybe we'll throw a dick pic or something in. Uh, 
Yeah, hey, you'll have you to you'll have to go to my Instagram you'll have to, to check it to out to find out. <laughs> That'll be on my chat roulette. That will that will be on, that will be on my Indiegogo page if you want. <laughs> I yeah there, maybe there will, hey there will be a perk. <laughs> if you want. Oh my god! All right, two hundred dollars. All right, so uh, <laughs> so Sorry. donate to the Indiegogo. Uh, we really appreciate uh, you know any funds that go to this project because uh, we really want this. To be, you know, something that everyone feels good about, uh, you know, musicians and uh, composer and tech people and everything alike, you know, it's a lot going into this and it's a, a cool, you know, new art project. It's all encompassing. That's what I like about opera. You know, yes. The total art form. That is the, the most complete. For me. Yeah. And so this is, this is that. You know, it's small scale, but it is a, the the an all-encompassing art project. So I'm real excited about it, um, and I hope that we get some more funding. Uh, yeah. So I mean, even if you only can give a dollar, yeah, five dollars, that's great. Great. Um, and and again, yeah, uh, it's uh, October 26th and 27th. Two shows on the 27th, afternoon and evening. So, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Anything else that maybe I forgot to cover? Uh, I can say, just as kind of a a tag here, uh, I think September the 7th Mm -hmm. is going to be the last day. Oh, yeah. So, you have until the 7th. I think it was eight days Uh, from today. Yes, from today, uh, eight days at noon on September the 6th, I mean. We have one less day than I thought. September the 6th at noon, I think Pacific time is the way that works. Uh, that will be the cutoff, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and if, if you can't give, then come and see it, because it's going to be a wild time for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And don't ask me for comp tickets, because I don't know what the deal is. I'm not sure either. <laughs> there will be comp tickets, probably. Right. Um, okay, so now we're going to listen to a track from Mysterious Descent. Yeah, this is called The Song of Zochani Brok. Which is in the language. Uh, it's based on one of the entities that I mentioned earlier. Fantastic. And um, thanks for listening. Remember, it's not celloist, it's cellist.
sentences hang in suspension Their shadows are dark on the surface of puddles The secretive brook in the depths of the forest Brook in the depths of the forest, the virginal goddess who bathes in its waters. At night, when you take out the trash, she stands there waiting by the door. With glowing eyes, an angel from the depths of coldest sea. Where earth flips on its axis and the water turns to smoke She reflects both the sky and the plankton studded sides of murky surf Her holy voice is heard amongst the craggy rocks And paints for you an image of the dead an image of the dead Brudlan! <laughs> 